It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully. He's Lincoln Strike. Track podcast at gmail.com is the email address. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and flowtrack.org slash flowtrack podcast. Lincoln, we got some news to talk about in the running world. Yeah, it was like a kind of a Thursday morning to afternoon news dump, but plenty to discuss uh, some very, I don't know if you want to random news out of kenya with rudisha don't know <clears throat> don't know uh what exactly to say more on that other than i mean we'll talk about it but then it's just a bizarre injury report for the greatest mm-hmm. 800 meter runner of all time but uh i guess this boston news is the one that's the most concerning for uh the future of running in 2020 yeah let's start there the boston marathon is officially off for 2020 the mayor made the announcement yesterday. It'll be the first time they do not run the Boston Marathon in 124 years. And this is the first second wave of cancellations, I guess, if we want to call yeah. it that, right? This is the first <laughs> major event that's already been pushed back and it has now been pushed back further. Of course, it was originally supposed to be run on April 20th and the new date was September 14th i don't remember thinking at the time one way or the other oh that's going to go off for sure on september 14th or it's not going to go but we definitely were looking forward to a fall where there could have been a bunch of road races in combination with some other championships and it was setting up to be a good fall but perhaps we were a bit naive yeah, I remember thinking at the time, September 14th, I was like, ah, oh, that feels like that's something that's on the fence. That's a toss up type of a thing. But we didn't know back in, in March, like where this was going to go. But I think this first domino falling is a, unfortunately a pretty good indication that this is what's going to happen for Chicago. This is what's going to happen for New York. And, you know, they're very well could be at least in the united states could not be any cross country i mean i mean it's just the numbers don't support having these events and i know cross country is is different than assembling thousands upon thousands of people and uh, you know the mayor yesterday in his press conference mentioned they've had 6000 deaths in in massachusetts alone and of course it was highly publicized we just crossed as a country the 100000 death barrier this is clearly a very deadly disease and virus and it just would be irresponsible to have these events and i think other cities and events will follow suit be it today tomorrow or you know a month from now Mm -hmm. well new york's not supposed to go until april or november 1st excuse me so there is a six week difference there berlin has already said they're not able to do it because of restrictions in the city on large events. 
Um, but they haven't said what they're going to do because it's initially scheduled for September 27th. Are they just going to do an elite race? Are they going to try to move it back? We don't know that, and they have not announced that yet. The organizers, um, according to David Monty's story, said they're still working on that. They're still hashing out the details. With Boston, the way that marathon is run, the importance of that marathon, you can't really just do an elite race. And mm -hmm. you can't do and you can't do a race in Boston without spectators. It's not the Boston Marathon then. And I think those two things definitely weighed heavily on the decision. Would it be possible to have a 20 person race from Hopkinton to, to, to Boston and, and make it safe prop by, by September? Probably. I mean, a, a reasonably safe, but do they want to go through all of that work, all that trouble just to do that when the identity of the Boston Marathon is the thousands of people running yeah. and <clears throat> all those spectators that line the streets? Yeah, I mean, the Boston Marathon, I know it's normally on Patriots Day, but it, it's it's a holiday in, in the greater mm -hmm. Boston area. And so it's it's spectators were always going to be an integral part of it. And, you know, even if you discourage them from uh, – you know, organizing the day of the Boston yeah. Marathon, I think it's still probably going to happen in some sense. So, um, but I, I, I do think overall, more this isn't just going to be unique to Boston. I mean, I think Chicago will go the exact same way. And, you know, I am skeptical of any sports. I know we keep hearing about it in other areas, but the, the, these concepts of, of anything, and I just don't, I don't know if, the, the the interested parties are going to be able to strike the right balance. Of course, the difference between the Boston Marathon and the NBA regular and postseason is quite different. But it's yeah. it's hard to satisfy everyone whilst ensuring the safety of you know the people who are going to be who are at risk. It's just is a really hard balance to strike, and I think we're finding this is not worth the risk as weird as it is. And as, as strange as it, you know, the, we are used to these things being the relief of hard times, these Boston marathons and sporting events, but it, unfortunately this is an un, unprecedented situation and it's just not worth the damage that, that it could do. Mm -hmm. When I put those, different types of running events into four categories, international track, domestic track, NCAA competition, and road races. I was torn between, okay, which what's more likely, NCAA competition or road races? And I think now it's clear that road races will be the last yeah. one to come back because of the dynamics of the crowd. With NCAA sports, it's difficult because you also have to bring students back on campus and that's in essence yeah. inviting a large crowd. But we've seen universities announce that they're bringing sports teams back in the beginning of June and there'll be classes on site and they're adjusting their schedules accordingly. A lot of yeah. them are canceling fall break and ending the semester and Thanksgiving. But it, it, it it's clear now that the, the mass races will be the last ones to come back. So I don't think this necessarily means we won't see any track at all. In 2020, I just think the idea of a mass race is going to be farther off than possibly people anticipated. And look, if we get it in April 2021 th safely, that'll be terrific. That'll be awesome, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Under far different circumstances, a New York City marathon was canceled, was called off, mm -hmm. and, and, yep. and it came back. It came back the next year better than ever. And I think everybody realizes in retrospect that that was the right call. And mm -hmm. that'll be the case here as well, too. I just hope we're able to do it in 21 safely and um, on on time. That'd be great. Yeah, we just don't know the core. I think, I mean, people who have been optimistic, aka our other host, Gordon, you know, thinks that this is going to turn the corner at any moment. And we don't know if it, by April, I mean, we know that the the vaccine very likely to not be uh, ready to go by the, by April of 2021. So decent chance it doesn't happen then either. I, I know that's not what people want to hear, but um, these mass races, as you mentioned, pose a logistical nightmare in, in a, in, in a circumstance like, like we have here with this pandemic. And so it, it's going to take a, it, they, a, a big burden of 
safety is going to have to be met before these can happen. And we'll hope for 2021, but uh, you know, we know that there's some people that say we're in this for the long haul, that this could be for a couple of years of which we're, you know, hunting for a, a vaccine and, and just trying to socially distance, keep things down. And that's socially distance is distancing is the opposite of what a mass race asks for and is. So who knows? Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't think we're going to see anything. It's not like just because, oh, Chicago is a month later. We're, we're going to get Chicago. No, that's 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 not going to happen. Maybe they get an elite race, but these these events make money off of yes. the mass fields like it may not be worth it for them to just have an elite race like so we'll see that's the that's the big question right that's the 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 idea here is are you really going to shut down all these city streets to mm-hmm. put on a race for 20 to 40 people when yeah. where the money is made is with the 30,000 people that are mm-hmm. behind them. That's where that's where the money is. That's why the sponsors line up to do it. Are you going to be able to have an expo where thousands and thousands of people come in? No, are you going to be no. able to, yeah. <laughs> in good faith, have volunteers come and hand out cups of water, hand out goo yep. along the side of the course? There's so many people involved in staging a major marathon that it is going to be one of the last things that comes back i think in in the running world and mm-hmm. it's as as fans of elite running who really want to see bekele versus kipchoge in london and we want to we see it like other sports and we see the nba and they're maybe going to put themselves in this bubble in orlando and be able to play or major league baseball they're going to find a site to play and they're going to put everybody in there and we want to do the same thing with Kipchoge and Bekele or whatever marathon stars we want to watch run. But it's difficult because our sport isn't structured that way. It needs those other people in order to put on the event. If this was track, it would be different. But marathon, it's part of what makes it great. But it's also what makes it so difficult is that it's not just about a few people. It's about thousands and thousands of people. Yeah, no, exactly. No, 100% in a, in agreement. And it's just the, it's the challenges that are unique to our sport. And it just is uh, not going to be one that's easy to, to overcome right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I mean, again, you and I aren't epidemiologists, uh, but we have read a lot of medium posts, which make us, <laughs> I think, somewhat qualified to comment. But I don't, w- with regards to the vaccine, I know there's a path forward where life goes on and moves forward and you're able to do things without the vaccine, right? If they're able to control the spread enough and, and if public yeah. health officials have enough, because otherwise you you could be looking years and years and years in the future, or it's possible that they can't develop it. That's happened before. I've read enough very smart people writing articles um, about that. Um, is that a bird in the background in your, in your yeah, compound? Yeah, we have a, okay. We have a big tree, very popular with the local, uh, the local uh, winged winged creatures. <laughs> That's a great way to transition to mm-hmm. another bit of bad news in the running world. Brown, Brown University, is cutting men's indoor, outdoor track and field as well as cross country. It was part of the move by the university to cut 11 sports 11 sports beginning mm-hmm. with the school year this fall so earlier this week we saw Appalachian State cut men's indoors we've talked previously about Central Michigan and Akron but none of those have cut all three programs this is the first yes. one that we've seen that's cut all three in the past year yeah, and the reasoning for this one wasn't at least what they stead, said in their statement. The school, that is, was not related to the pandemic, but instead trying to make their school more competitive in other in other events. Um, they highlighted that, you know, Brown has been basically the worst Ivy League school athletically for the last decade, and uh, they want to invest their money elsewhere. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy to to be critical of that um but 
I don't know. It's a bummer. I mean, it, I don't know what else to say on this. Of course, it's 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 disappointing when programs um, get cut, and you feel for the teams that are the athletes who are on the team right now. And I know you know some people cited that in 2012 they had an Olympia, they had an NCAA champion in 2010 in the javelin, and then in 2012 mm-hmm. that athlete made the made the Olympic team, and he was an assistant coach at Brown. So you think of those athletes that have been through the program and had success. And you say, are you taking that away and taking that chance? Um, you know, you possibly, you know, eliminating a future Olympian by, by this cut. Um, that that's the worst yeah. case scenario. And, and you just see, you know, cross country, you, you don't want to, I don't know. I don't really know what else to, to say other than it's just a, it's a disappointment. And, um, these seem to be piling on right now. And, and if mm-hmm. th- that is not what you want, but I think with Gordon's article last week, it does, I mean, participation and, and the teams that sponsor cross country is still high. You hope they teams yeah. don't just start dumping programs left and right. I mean, that, that, that momentum is certainly there, but um, I don't know. I guess I'm a little more confident that this isn't just going to be just a wildfire across the country of teams dumping men's track and field and or cross country. You're more confident or less confident? I'm more, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not more confident in the wake of this, but I, I just don't think this is going to be a huge nationwide t- trend. And mm-hmm. again, I, I don't want to see programs losing cross country or track and field. I get that, but it's also like in some senses, for lack of a better term, you're asking me to care about these small level programs of which, I mean, I'm sorry, this isn't Oregon. This isn't Stanford. You hope it doesn't happen to any of those. Um, and you don't want to see track and field eliminated at, at any level. But like, I'm not overly concerned. If I'm being 100% honest, I'm not, I'm overly concerned. I I, I, I do feel for the athletes who are directly impacted, but I, I'm not, I don't think this is the end of cross country and track and field at the NCAA level. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is interesting, as you mentioned, that they didn't cite COVID-19. They're talking more yeah. about budgeting. I didn't know this stat, that they sponsored the third most varsity teams in the country. They had yeah. a huge number of sports. So I guess the idea here is you Less cut is more. sports. Yeah, and you could put more money yeah. into the other sports. But I don't know okay. what form that takes. Is it facilities? Is it coaching salaries, assistant coach salaries. Uh, okay. I'm not sure in in, in that regard. Um, yeah, it's like, but you think of the Ivy League, no scholarships there. You just think of them having track though. I don't know what it is. It's just like one of those mm. sports that I feel like, and again, I'm biased because I cover track and field for a living. I just, I, I feel like it's a, a sport that's that's been around forever. Yeah. They talked about transitioning to the club level. You can do that with cross because there's already a club governing body. I don't know how much club triple jump is available or club pole vault. So that's very difficult to do as well. <laughs> yeah. Moving them to the, there, the it's club. It's actually all, things. it's all ultimate garden clashes is what the club, yeah. in, the club uh, track and field is. Yeah. Um, it's also, it's inter- It's also, I mean, all these, a lot of these schools too have huge endowments and you'd like to think that they could sure someone could well, of course this is fluff i mean they also were trying Open to sponsor up checkbook yeah but i mean they also while dropping uh, 11 sports they added to say to uh, co-ed sailing and women's sailing i mean those boats mm-hmm. don't come cheap they're a lot more expensive yeah. than track spikes so you got to right. you got to drop a lot of things if you're going to start adding uh literally probably the the most expensive sport on planet earth into yeah. uh into your ncaa sponsored sports so uh, uh well isn't this about yeah. cut a lot of it i've been surprised a lot of the numbers have come out in wake of these cuts these sports are cheap cross country especially so yeah, yeah. it is not ex- it's not expensive in the grand scheme of intercollegiate athletics it costs a lot less money than i would even project it seems to be a, about cutting other sports and then you also have to cover you cut track to keep some sort of balance whether that's a, a gender balance or like we saw before 
or like we're seeing when you cut indoor or when you cut cross country, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, those athletes have two other opportunities to compete, so that's fine. But yeah. this is wiping away an entire program entirely. There's no remnants of it. It's not just dropping indoor track. It's not just dropping cross country. I mean, did you know that Brown last year, Northeast region was 10th? 10th in the Northeast region. It's pretty good for the men. Oh, is that good? I mean, I wouldn't say that's good. Well, they were, they, so they didn't, they were, I think they were second to last at Ivy League. I don't know, like when it says this, they put out this release, Brown earned 2.8% of Ivy League titles, the lowest among member schools. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you're, I feel like if you're getting 10th in a region, um, yeah, in cross, you're, you're competitive. That means you're investing time and energy. You don't, you don't accidentally get 10th in an NCAA division one region is what I'm saying. This is a legitimate, this is a legitimate program. You talked before about Olympians going through there. I mean, that's a real, that's a real accomplishment. So that's, to me, that's why. Uh, it's particularly disappointing if just yeah. if no one is putting time, money, or energy in a program and it's just there in name only. That's one thing, but this is this is a program that okay, you're saying across all sports in the in their league they haven't performed well, but mm-hmm. it's it's not for lack of trying. Yeah, yeah, it's no, and it, it, it is. I don't know about Central Michigan, but of, and I'm sure they have had an Olympian in the last decade. I just can't think of somebody off the top of the head, my head. But you know, you look at all four of the schools that have cut programs so far. I can name three Olympians, you know, from these small-time mid-major programs, just right off the top of my head, that these schools have had. So yes, to your point, it does. It, it's a. It's a. It, it really is – it hurts in that regard of de- developing talent. I think the problem, though, track and field and cross country always has is it's it's a niche fandom. I mean, you're not – there's not somebody that's not directly involved with the Brown program, be it through being an alumni or being a, uh, a parent or a friend mm-hmm. of an athlete that – is a fan there's no you know you're not tailgating outside of unless you're a former runner or something you're not tailgating outside of heps it just has a fan problem and that's why yeah. it's going to hurt in this niche community to us and we're going to say look the, develop future olympians and this this kills the sport and i feel that way too but tracks just doesn't have a loud enough voice and mm-hmm. uh I mean, I know people are critical, but thank goodness there's Title IX to protect the women's sport, or else I think we would be seeing this uh, on on the same side. I, I, people, I've seen people be critical and and call this a, a Title IX issue. I think that's totally misguided anger or misplaced anger because if not, if not for Title IX, we'd be seeing this happen on the women's side. So let you know, let, let's thank, be thankful for what we have. Track and field is um, is always going to be a sport that's vulnerable. Um, and I, we're going to see more of these, of course. I just don't think this is going to be a massively wide, widespread thing. Well, but let's let's talk about the track does on, have, have a problem with the fact that it is not a fan-friendly sport. Well, it depends on football, right? This fall. Yeah. If that goes off as scheduled, because we've heard all the coaches say this, that's one thing. If football is called off or fall sports are called off, the money begins to dry up immensely but can't, and then can't we you could put this then, like on furlough i mean can't we just like okay if, if there's no money this year can everything be on pause i mean i i just i you feel for the athletes and eventually you have I me mean, you're just going to start cutting major programs you're going to say well, oh there's no oregon oregon football well, so there's what, no oregon look at, field well oregon i think would be an extreme example but you're talking about furlough to unemployment look at what's happening just in general in the country that's the path to unemployment yeah. first people are not coming to work and then layoffs come after. Yeah, I think what we're learning is that the they're they're bringing in money, these big programs, they're also spending a lot of money. And even mm-hmm. one year of not bringing in that money is going to make universities face hard decisions. One thing that's clear to me and just the way that they're citing this is they care about competitiveness, it seems to be. And I don't know if that's cuz they think the blowback will be greater if the program is good but when deciding which sports to cut it's not just oh you lose a lot of money because most of these sports aren't making money no it's what's your level of what's your level of success in that specific 
program. And yeah. and and for them, well, Brown saying as a institution, they only earned 2.8% of Ivy League titles. I don't know how many of those were won by the, the programs that are sticking around versus the ones that are being cut. But yeah. if you're a perennial, like it would surprise me. It would surprise me if, and I'm just picking a, a small, lower profile school that excels in cross country, Furman, right? It would surprise mm-hmm. me if Furman did cuts and one thing they cut was to their track or cross country because they have an identity. They have an identity now there and that inoculates them. Perhaps, perhaps I don't know, but I I'm just speculating. There's a lot more blowback that would come. And to your point about fans and alumni, they're more involved because the program has been successful. So the voice becomes louder, even though it may never be as loud as some of these other sports, it becomes louder because the team has been winning. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And that it's that's why it's, it does seem, you know, in a concerning level, like that we are climbing up the ladder a little bit. Now we're out of, you know, we're into the Ivy League. And, and so it uh, it I guess it could hit major conferences soon. But uh, we shall we shall see. Um, but I do think the competitive competitiveness thing is unfortunately a, a fair argument, though, when you haven't yeah had it a good program uh it it becomes a lot easier to to say to say goodbye i grew up in a state nevada that had one well at the time it 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 had none actually men's running programs because unlv didn't have a men's program and nevada reno at the time did not have a men's running program and a mm-hmm. lot of the coaches attributed the high school successes and shortcomings to the fact that, hey, these kids don't have motivation to keep going because there's no in-state yeah. track and cross country, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you went to Missouri, or you're from Missouri, a state that's rich mm-hmm. in post-high school running opportunities. So you probably can't relate to that. But um, the home of Matt for some of these and states, <laughs> Well, for some of these states... Uh, and now um, Nevada Reno now does have cross country. They don't have track still, but when I was there, they didn't. And mm-hmm. it was a big deal. It was like, okay, do you want to run in college? Okay. If you're, if you're a male, okay, go to California where you're going to pay a gajillion dollars in out of state tuition. Yeah. A lot of people went to, a lot of people went to Southern Utah university and this was pre cam Levins. So it wasn't as big of a deal of a place yeah. uh, or, or you're just, you're just out there in the wilderness trying to find some place to run after yeah. high school. And that's yeah. a, so that, no, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good point there. Um, I didn't think of it from, from necessarily that angle. Um, Cause high school seems like a jillion years ago, but uh, that's, that's a fair point for some of these schools when you, if you're not going to have men's programs, it greatly reduces the chance that somebody who'd maybe a late bloomer could develop and, and, you know, become a, a star at a small school. So yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Um, well, just in those States too, that have, they're not hugely populous States and they have a couple institutions, mm-hmm. whatever those institutions are doing, whatever those colleges are doing is important for the rest of the state, right? Because kids in those high schools, they follow the college success. They, fo- they follow the basketball team. They follow the football team. So mm-hmm. If they have cross country and track, it gives more credence. It gives more credibility to that sport. You don't want to be like, "Hey, I know you live in Nevada, but Oklahoma State has a really good cross country program." It's like that might as well be on the other side of the world. Now, mm-hmm. this is not the same. You know, if you live in Southern California or you live in the Northeast, where there's a million programs and there's D- a ton of D twos and D threes in the Great Lakes regions, that's that's a little bit different. But in, in these states where they don't really have a ton of colleges in general it do, i think it does have an impact on the mm-hmm. on the the high school scene uh, again just one of the one of the many impacts here but yeah perhaps we'll see. Though, I by guess- eliminating track and field the 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 next great sailor is is yes. ready to test out their 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 what what do you what Sail? would you even say their sailing their sailing skills their 
their boat their rig. maybe boat cocktail making i don't know uh their yacht yachting yeah their stern recognition stern. I, that's I got to be honest, didn't know what co-ed sailing was before the story came out. I mean, I know what it is because I know what those two words mean, but I didn't know it was an actual sport. Co-ed sailing. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was just a frat activity, but uh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great dad joke by you right there. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Let's talk Rudisha. Let's oh, talk man. David Rudisha. Uh, in a story uh, by David Monty. Says the two-time Olympic 800-meter champion underwent surgery in his left ankle after he fractured it while walking on uneven ground in rural Kenya. It was a supination external rotation. His agent said that Rudisha will be out of training for 12 to 16 weeks. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This uh, this hurts, obviously, for any supposed comeback there was. I don't want to make fun of somebody because I'm old now, too. Uh, I could break an ankle, hurt myself. The other, <laughs> week, the other week, my back just, like, seized up, and, it, like, I had to, like, you know, do short breaths for a few minutes. So, like, these injuries aren't just limited to us out-of-shape people. David Rudisha, well, I, he may be out of shape right now, but... I, he's had a tough couple years, you know. He got in, like the car accident. I, I forget mm -hmm. what else unfortunate series of unfortunate events had befallen the the 800 meter world record holder. But uh, this is, seems to be another one. Of course, I don't know if there's track and field conspiracy people. I don't know if they want to figure out if he was if he was just walking around and that's how he broke his ankle, or if he was actually playing video games with his feet and developed a, a rare con condition. I, I no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, this sets him back once again on his path to conquer Donovan Brazier. I wish him speedy recovery, though. Who was the baseball player who said he got injured one way, but he was actually on a motorcycle, but he didn't want to say that because it violated his yeah. contract? Yeah. Is that Jeff Kent? I, that, it could be. I, I'm unfamiliar with Jeff Kent's work as a, as a, uh, as a con artist there but he was a notorious jerk in track in, in in mlb circles so it sounds like something he would do okay yeah maybe yeah. not that way but i just I yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Up. yeah 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 when yeah breaking your ankle when you're walking uh seems tough i would say this moves his potential comeback odds from uh highly unlikely point, to point 0.1 to point 0.02 well look and i say this with all due deference and respect for the greatest, he's the greatest 800 meter runner on the men's side of all time. There's oh, no yeah, question. No question. Yeah, 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 yeah. It will be an accomplishment, and it should be celebrated if he makes the Olympic team for Kenya next yeah, year. Of, of that, course, that will be that will be an accomplishment. And um, it's, I mean, I, it's not going to happen. I mean, I, I, I mean, even before this, it was not going to happen. He's just, it's, he's had a career. I mean, the man was. When did he win his first world title? Was it 09 or 11? 11. Okay. I mean, it's just he's for 800 meter things, he's been around and, 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 you know, he won in 11, he won in 12, he won in 15, he won in 16. I mean, it's been a career and he ran a boatload of fast times in between. Like he just has had his bad luck since then. But I hope he comes back, but, but, you know, he's had a full career. It's not like I, I don't think we need to wonder like what could have been. I mean, 2016 no, it no. seemed like he didn't he had no business winning and and he he pulled that one out of the hat and and you know i mean they ran yeah. really fast and not that he didn't deserve the title but you know if he never took a step after 2012 he would have had a great career i mean and it would have been short-lived yeah. career but but i mean after running 140.9 it 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 was all gravy after that um you hope he can come back because i mean technically you look at him he's like what only 31 and you think uh well, there's still some some laps to be run here, but but we know for the, for 800 meter runners, that's 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 typically pretty old. Um, and uh, yeah, I just wish him a speedy recovery. And if he if he can even get on a track again, I mean, obviously that would be that would be awesome just to see him back mm -hmm. out there. Even if he can, you know, he can't ultimately break 147 again. You know, it, it would be cool to just to see him out, see him and him be able to have his career end on his own terms. I mean, that's kind of what we want, and we haven't yet been been able to. To see, um, but I have as a race in three years. Yeah, I have concerns about his ability to run at a high level, healthily, 
healthful, whatever the word is, <laughs> uh, if he's walking around and breaking his ankle. Now, I, I don't think he has osteoporosis. It could have just been a complete freak accident. But I have concerns of his ability to stay healthy if, if this sort of thing is, is, is happening to him right now. Okay, so you're, you're asking a more specific question. It's almost like you think it's a valid question to raise. Are we ever going to see him run again in a major race? Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're going to see him in the Diamond League ever again. I don't think we're no. Wow. I mean, maybe I'll run in Kenya. I, I just don't think. I mean, what, what's? I mean, he. You know, he's going to be out for this period of time. A certain thing starts to get in your head at that point. Are you? You know, I, I got to think he's struggling to have motivation after this. It's it's going to be very, very difficult. That's a bummer, to, though. That's a bummer. Yeah, it's a it's huge. It's absolutely, it's a gigantic bummer, but I also think we don't need to, we always do this thing where it's like, if you don't win a gold medal, you know, in your last race at 36, it's like, we, we're like, oh, he left something on the table or, you know, it's like he had a full career. Like he, when he raced, he was, he, he was unstoppable. He was unbeatable. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah. the guy ran one forty. I mean, it's just like, and regularly yeah, yeah. ran one forty one. It's just. I get it. He, I get you. He this isn't uh, this isn't a a situation of what could have been. It, it, he had a full career, and we thought maybe he was going to get to a, a fairy tale ending, and I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, because Donovan Brazier is still freaking twenty three years old. It's just like <laughs> I'm not asking yeah. for a gold, just maybe a bronze, just like a walk off bronze. I just a walk off. Bronze, I, I wanted yeah. to. I wanted more warning that it was going to be over because I don't. I couldn't even tell you what his last race was. In 2017, uh, I I don't even know what he didn't run. He what, didn't run in London, did he? He didn't run in London. I don't right? think so. I don't think so. No, yeah. yeah. So his last yeah. his last real ma you know major race was 16 when he wins the gold. He also won yep. gold in 15. He yep. was hurt in 13, but mm -hmm. he won in 11 and he won in 12. So you have four global gold medals. Not you bad. have the world record, your name is all over the top 10 all-time list. If this yep. is it for him, you're absolutely right. It's not a bad career. This is not a, a sad oh story. This is a, an incredible story. But but I would still like to see him out there once or twice more. And I don't expect him to be 140, Radisha, or even 141. But I want to see the stride one more time. Mm -hmm. And I want to know was it the beautiful stride or be what was it? Beautiful running posture. Beautiful running posture. Yeah. I mean, he was, I he's a beautiful runner to watch. He is yeah. not everybody. Someone may one day run faster than him. In fact, it's almost guaranteed that someone will run faster than he will one day, but there's no guarantee they're mm -hmm. going to look like that. Mm -hmm. right? There was some that, that was that elegance to it. The same way with Kipchoge, right? There could be a guy who yeah. runs faster than Kipchoge one one way, but the aesthetic quality of it was breathtaking. And yeah, I, I think appreciated Radisha watching even, even yeah, even more than Kipchoge, and possibly because Radisha is going so much faster, of course, because his yeah. race is one one fifty second as long. Um, but that high arm carriage was always fascinating to me. It just looked like he was like about to destroy someone like he was mm -hmm. uh chasing someone and just the 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 calmness with which he ran 140 pace it is just yeah it's probably the most beautiful form in 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 history i mean so you want to see that again you want to see someone so at the top of of their game but the guy as he showed in 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 beijing and in uh, Rio, he didn't have to even be at the top of his game to to, to still yeah. dominate. And in 2015, I, you know, that was the weirdest race I've ever seen, and it was, you know, mm -hmm. even a, more of a sign of his uh, of his ability to win in any fashion. That was like a 145 race, and he won in yeah. a tactical. Is like, yeah, I'm like 50 percent Rudisha right now. I'm still going to win a world <laughs> title. And that was almost as and not as impressive, obviously, as London. And in Rio, he came back and ran 142. So it's not like he was out of shape. But but you know, Rudisha has run the gamut from being just an unstoppable force to also like not winning at full strength. So the guy just knew how to yeah. win. And uh, so that that's the one thing for me that I like hold out hope is like he still 
kind of has, I don't mean to throw in golf here, but has like a Tiger Woods, like psychological edge and people it's like when he shows up, even if he's not full strength, they're like, that's, that's David Rudisha. That's somebody who I know Brazier said, like, mm, even if he shows up, I mean, we know he's not the 140 David Rudisha, which first off, put some respect on the man, Donovan. But second off, <laughs> he's 100% I think if he, right. If he, if he would, if he right. would, yeah, if he was, if he was to line up though, there's a certain, even if he's not fully, no, if he's running 150, okay, that's a different thing. But if he, if he, if he's to make a final, people are going to know that's David Rudisha who's there. And yeah. there may be some little, some little bit of mind games. That being said, he's got a huge, huge path that was made even longer by the fact that he just broke his ankle uh, back to competitive racing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't want to be greedy, so I'm not asking to see him in an Olympic final. I just want to mm -hmm. see him even in any major race in 2021 and to enjoy watching him run two laps again. He runs, he runs the way we all think we run. When we envision ourselves mm. in our mind running, we all think we run as beautifully as David Rudisha. And then we happen to run past a mirror or some sort of glass wall where there's a reflection. And we look over and we sneak a peek and we realize we do not resemble the man at all. But in our mind, and when we go to sleep at yeah. night and we dream and we picture ourselves running, that's who we look like. We look like David yeah. Rudisha. Something like that. I've long since come to terms uh, that I do not look like David Rudisha when I run, but I can at least try to pretend like I can carry my arms really high and uh, yeah, and do the. Uh, every, the it's just incredible. <laughs> the form, the, everybody's form is ninety percent worse than they think it is when they picture them, and then when they watch themselves, it's like listening to yourself talk for the first time. Oh, I don't actually talk like that. The first time you actually see. Yeah video of yourself running you're like was i hurt that day did i have some sort of weird yeah, hitch yeah, yeah. in my stride yeah no no yeah. that's just yeah yeah exactly you literally look that bad um i, I want to talk about your and gordon's show before we before we go if i could um okay one specific oh, one specific part uh, well one specific part stuck out to me <laughs> when he was gonna put versbicus below like last basically and you oh my god on your your top milers, your top sub four milers oh, of all time, and you blew a gasket. Am I the only one that remembers how good Lucas Versbikas was in high school? Like, I mean, like, I mean, he was, no, a, he was, he was, a, a, he's a legend in high school. I mean, he's way more than what Grant, Grant Fisher or Drew Hunter was. Now it's unfortunate that his career basically ended right after high school, but, but he was leaps and bounds more dominant than those guys were. Uh, and, and, you know, just because he barely crept under four and his career went down that. Yeah. I, I just Lucas first because is, is a top three high school athlete. I, I think, I mean, he was so phenomenal. He ran eight twenty nine. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, yeah, I just, I think that's been kind of forgotten because he did nothing in college and flamed out at Oregon. And uh, that one still that's hurts for me. I, yeah. That's yeah, better than 359, right? 829 is better than 359 from where yeah, I sit. Yeah, I, I yeah, I I absolutely I, I think that as well. Yeah, it's back to back 415s? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. And well, he did it in the pro race at the, you know, pre-classic, so he also had to like contend with other people running way faster and and I know that's like, oh, you get pulled along, but it's not it's easier said than done. You know, it's not like that yeah. was a perfectly ra paced race for him to run below 830. He had to contend with people running 80 pace. So uh, yeah. he was he was phenomenal. And it was a huge disappointment that he didn't do anything at Oregon. Yeah. Well, and then he got hurt, had that terrible mm -hmm. accident. But yeah, it's you guys were putting a lot of weight on what a lot of these guys did when they were freshmen, sophomores and juniors at Oregon. Which, yes, that's succeeding in college, but it's also relevant if you're really good your junior year of high school, too. That's part of it. There's only a mm -hmm. few years separating that. It's not It's yeah. not like a lot of these guys, oh, yeah, and then when they were 30, they mm -hmm. they they set this record or did this thing. I mean, just because just he did it when he was 17 versus him doing it when it was 20, I don't, that, that's still pretty young. And a lot of those yeah. guys – a lot of those guys have moved the ball forward a little bit in in, in college. Uh, Grant Fisher moved it forward 
quite a bit because he won an NCAA mm-hmm. title and was in the mix for so many of them. But some of those other guys barely inched it forward as all, uh, at all. So I'm with you. I would still give weight to what Verzbikas did in high school because just because high school is in front of it doesn't make the – it certainly doesn't make the time go away. I mean, no. 829. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he, when he was the – when he broke four, he was the first to do it since Webb in high school. Yeah. So he was kind of a kind of a trendsetter when it wasn't everybody <clears throat> kind of going after this. It was, you know, and he did it in an all high school race. I know we just saw that with Dashbach, but that just didn't happen at the, at his time and whenever it was, 2011 or so. And I may be a little biased because he's around my age, but um, and he's from Illinois, um, so just an Illinois. Where you're legend. not from? For, no, I'm not. But you know, it's a neighboring state, and you know, we we give all this reverence to Craig Virgin, to Chris Derrick, Evan Jagger. Let's make sure we remember that even though he did nothing after high school, Lucas Versbikas is right in that orbit, if not better than you know, maybe not better than Virgin, but but his track times were, and he was better in high school than than Evan Jagger and Chris Derrick were. Mm-hmm. So between Missouri and Illinois. Those two states have Jager. I'm just looking steeple here. They have Jager, mm-hmm. Frericks, and Quigley. Yes. Yep. I'm trying to think if uh, we loosely claim Chris Swizer. I know that's not the steeple. We loosely because she went to the University of, M- of Missouri. Um, who else? Gosh. I mean, we have Matt well, Camp. Yeah. Camp. Um, I mean, Illinois has a ton of ton of athletes uh i I can't think of any off the top of my head that's not a that's not a great great model there but yeah had some studs for the relatively you know missouri's not a huge state and illinois obviously has the chicago area but had some a disproportionate amount of studs for the size of those states yeah it's because you guys had collegiate distance running that's why so. Could be, could <laughs> could have could have something to do with that. Yeah, although Josh Thompson is from Nevada, which I just found out recently. Oh, really? So, wow. He's from a town. I need to talk to Josh Thompson because he is about this. Because he's from a town in Nevada that has only three thousand people, but the town used to host the state cross country championships. So, oh wow, within running circles, it's well known. But Jason and I were talking about this on. On, on House of Run this week, you when you drive through Missouri, right, and you're driving between two major cities, don't you? And in the Midwest, you normally see other cities on on the way every fifteen twenty minutes or so, right? Yeah, right, right. It's not like that, in Nevada. You go out okay. an hour or two hours, and then you just stumble upon a random ghost town in the middle of the desert. So it's hard to picture people living in these towns. And it's hard to envision what they do for work. Uh, I, it's it's too far out to commute usually, so it doesn't. They have a completely mm-hmm. different lifestyle there, and the whole exurban dynamic is totally different in and not just Nevada. I'm sure it's some of these other big Western states than it is in Missouri. Because the first time I went to the Midwest, because most of our travels in the Midwest, and it still blows me away to this day, just how many little tiny cities you never feel like you're out in the middle of nowhere even if you are out in the middle of nowhere no people like to like to live in small towns i don't know and does everyone in nevada just gravitate towards vegas or in reno vegas or reno yeah vegas or reno there's three million people in the whole state and i'm guessing that like i mean probably two million of them or two and a half million of them are in those two metro areas And yeah. it's a vast, it's a vast geographic state. You and I, when we were in Birmingham, Alabama, for the NCAA Indoor Championships a couple of years ago, we wanted to go see where the popular podcast S Town was based out of in Bibb County. Yes. And yeah. we were both, and in the podcast, they make it seem like it is far flung, way out in the middle of nowhere. How long did yeah. it take us to drive there? It was like forty-five minutes at most. Yeah, it was yeah. not. And there were other that... towns. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there it's yeah. I mean, Nevada, it is the desert. It lives up to its name, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, even mm. uh, yeah, I I guess I guess California is a a bit different, but just just the amount of uh geographic space. So that's why I need to figure out I need to get Josh Thompson's whole 
family tree. I know I need to know why they're from Moapa Valley, California, uh, Moapa Valley, um, Nevada. And it also makes sense that he played basketball too, because it's one of those schools where the athlete probably does all the sports because yeah. it's so small. I love but, those. I love those guys. But it's also where I ran my 3,200 meter PR in high school. So I have great respect for the town. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I know you were joking, but you know, a lot of these athletes that ran this high school mile this past week, they were converting their times from 2,000 feet. Didn't you say your PR was run at like 2,500 feet so you can convert it down uh, half a second? Well, let me let me see because that was Las Vegas. Las Vegas is at 2,100 feet, which we never mm. used to – <laughs> put altitude conversions on so let's look altitude of overton overton is the actual name of the city oh nope see it's only 1200 feet oh. so maybe that's why i ran a pr maybe i did the You're old down to sea level train high train <laughs> high race low and i went down oh, yeah. to overton and the 1200 square feet yeah it's uh there's not much out there there's not mm. much out there maybe i would look maybe i would look at it with different eyes um now that I've uh, grown up and seen more of the world, maybe it would maybe it would make a little bit of sense. But when you're when you're 16, 17, 18, and you've only ever lived in cities, you're just like you go out there. What is this? Yeah, what's, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's what's going on out here? Where do they go to prom? What do they do? What do they do for Cactus? fun? Cactus? I don't know. I yeah. I don't know anything yeah. about the desert areas. I you're not inspiring me to take a trip out to Nevada. I've been before to, of course, Vegas, but it doesn't, and even that was, I mean, that was less yeah. than, I'm sure I haven't hit all the cool spots, um, but I was just kind of unimpressed. But yeah, my, my Nevada is n not really a bucket list. The, 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 the small no. cities of Nevada is not on my travel guide right now. Well, there are a lot of ghosts, like legitimate ghost towns mm -hmm. that are inhabited by basically nobody, but used to be populated there is that it's where, so, it's where they're sending all the men's cross-country teams that get that cut yeah. they're just sending them to yeah. the desert and ghost towns of nevada yeah but they have there's some natural beauty out there as well too of course of course it's Valley just i'm fire, a little scared of no no water and heat that's that, that yeah freaks me out a bit. put put other states higher up on your list but um yeah <laughs> that's as did i that's what i did too. all yeah. right well mm -hmm. now that we've covered that topic i think we can officially call it a week on the flow track podcast you can email the show flow track podcast at gmail.com thank you to alon for producing thank you to lincoln and we will be back with you guys next week bye